Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. You know, whenever there's a, there's a Hill House um, meeting, when it's the Hill House week, you feel a little extra pressure because you're the speaker, right? So I'm sitting there going, oh, I didn't even realize that Hill House is this week. So I have to really bring it today. Right? Because if I don't, then you're sitting there speaking, you know, that was like a six or a five, that sermon. Definitely was an eight or a nine or a ten, right? So you kind of feel that. It's funny, Pastor Joe had mentioned, uh, it just dropped on me as I was listening to you, and you were mentioning uh, Pastor Jensen Franklin and talking about our prayers and, and listening to God. I always go back to, first of all, we are, we're talking to God, right? We make our requests known and we pray to him. But I was, I was thinking about one of my favorite movies, and I know for many people in here, uh, Braveheart. How many of you Braveheart fans, right? You're a guy, like, of course. I'm sorry, that was sexist. I shouldn't have said that. A lot of women in here, right? You like the movie. But do you remember the guy, the crazy guy, my favorite character in the movie? Stephen from Ireland, right? Stephen, right? And what does he say, that, that, po- that point in the movie, when he says it? I wrote it down because I forgot it. He says, the Almighty says... Uh, it's going to be a fashionable fight and he's invited the finest people, right? And they're all looking at him like in the midst of this battle and this crazy lunatic says he really hears from God, right? Not that just he talks to God, but that God talks to him. How many of us really believe that, that God really talks to us? How many of us are really open and attentive and, and our ears and, and we're focused on what God is trying to say to us? May that be us. Well, Anybody have a long week? Did you have a long week? Anybody? Long. Yeah. You know, the problem is if I ask that question every week, the majority of people raise their hands. So at some point, like, I don't know, maybe a couple times a year you can say it or maybe once a month. I don't know. No, but seriously, did you ever have it? And then how about a day? Did you ever have a day that you just never forgot? It's like indelibly etched in your mind. You're never going to forget it. It was just like, you see the title, the longest day. Can we talk today about the longest day in the history of the world? Can we talk today about the longest day in the history of the world? Yes. And you're like, come on, feed me. Talk to me about it. Well, let's just open a prayer. Lord, Father, I just ask that you would reveal yourself today. Lord, your word says the flower may fade, the grass may wither, but your word, your word will stand forever. Lord, not the Quran. Not Shakespeare's literature, Lord, not other books out there by Buddha or whomever, Lord. Lord, your word is the only inerrant book, infallible book that has ever been written in the history of the world. And people have tried to knock it and they've tried to come against it. But 2000 years later, we're still reading it. 2000 years later, it is it is the top selling book in the history of the world. And 2000 years ago, your son came into the world and he turned the world upside down and he started a revolution. Father, I ask that we would be a people, though, we become so civilized, we have become so domesticated. Lord, bring us back to our primal faith. Lord, bring us back to the day when we first came to know who you were. Lord, the day when we actually believed that you can move mountains in our lives. Lord, the day that you actually be- that we believed that you could set us free from bondage, that you could set us free from fear, that you could give us peace, not as the world gives, but a different kind of peace. Father, I ask that you would unleash your spirit. Lord, your spirit is everywhere on this planet. 
Father. It's everywhere. We can't run from it. But Lord, I would ask today that you pour out your spirit here. Lord, I ask today that you would instill real biblical faith in people, people that have been beat down, people that have been knocked around by life. Lord, I ask that you would do something inside of their hearts this morning, that they would want more of you and that they would trust you more and that they would believe you more, that you are a God that still moves and still ministers and still talks and still performs miracles even today. We ask these things in your name. Amen. And so... Here we are. This is a singleton. And I kind of lied to the uh, last week. I said we were going to and we will be doing this. Just been on my heart. I want to do a series on the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. And uh, I'm doing a sermon today on a chapter in the book of Joshua. I couldn't wait. All right. I just couldn't wait. All right. So some of you like know where I'm going then in in the sermon. You see the title and you have an idea. If you don't, no worries. Uh, But that's what I'm going to be doing. And again, you probably don't care. You know, there's a uh, there's an old saying. I don't know how many of you have heard of this before. You see me holding these little thimbles and the the saying goes like this. If you bring God a thimble, he will fill it. If you bring God a bucket, he will fill it. You see, if you bring God a thimble, you, you, you bring him a little prayer And you ask, God, can you give me a little bit of joy today? God, can you give me a little bit of peace? Father, can you give me my health a little bit? Can you give me a little bit of this, a little bit of that? Oh, he'll fill it. But if we ask God to actually fill buckets, buckets, big, large prayers, how many times do we walk around? I know from my own experience and I walk around and I feel like, I'm praying these thimble prayers, these weak prayers, and I have a God who is omnipotent. I have a God who is sovereign, and yet I come with these feeble little prayers sometimes. How many of you can relate to that? And how much of life is actually missed because we don't pray and bring God the basket? How many of you are Olympic fans, like the Olympics, you love to watch the Olympics? Well, right, we had an Olympics this past summer. In, uh, in Rio. And you know what was so interesting to me? You watch these people, like I watched the gymnasts, Gabby Douglas and all these other gymnasts and how ama- they contort their bodies, right? And they, they have joints that I don't even know really that the human body had, right? I see people that are on those platforms and they're diving and they're doing triple lindies and, you know, doing, that's not a real, some of you know the <laughs> movie, but they're doing like crazy stuff, right? Stuff that some of us would want to parachute. If I'm going to jump off that high, where's my parachute? And these, they're superhuman. Katie Ledecky, Michael Phelps, right? Superhuman. And you're almost like you watch them and go, are they another species? Are these people really even human? Right? How many of you with me? I can't relate to those people. And you know what has happened from a spiritual perspective There are so many stories in here, and I think we look at them the way we look at those athletes, and we say, man, David and Goliath, oh, David, when he took down the big giant, and Daniel, there he is in the lion's den, superhuman people, how did they do that? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how did they do that? How did Esther go before the king? Ruth, and the the list goes on and on. And we think those people are superhuman and we think that we're nothing like them. And we read the stories and go, yeah, maybe back then, but that was then. How about in today's world? I don't know what the children next door are learning about this morning. What's the story 
the children are learning about over there today. Yeah, yeah, I'm putting you on the spot. Whatever. You, no, all right, it's okay. Whatever the story, if we went in there, I wish we had like a camera, right? And we could see them sitting down and they're, they're talking. And they're, they pick any story. Uh, uh, let's use Daniel in the lion's den, right? A story like that. Do you, do you know, do you see their faces? You ever watch little kids when, when they hear these stories and they actually believe they really happened and they really believe that they're true? How come the kids next door, the little ones, when they read the Bible, they believe that these things really happen? What happens to us, friends, as we get older and we read and hear about these stories that we kind of say, been there, done that, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, that's kind of cool. That's a good story. It helps kids when they're young. It helps them in the faith. But now I'm an adult. I kind of grew up. And I think if we were really honest, we would say as time goes on, our faith can kind of subside. Our belief that miracles can really happen. Our belief that God can really move in our midst. I think a lot of times that wanes. And we get so comfortable and life becomes so predictable. And there's a huge chasm between, right? We have on one side the reality of our faith. And we say it's mundane. And I know, listen, I'm listening to music here this morning. Do you feel the atmosphere in this place? Come on. Listen, I've been doing this for a long time now. You can feel it and you know what you're up against. You are in the midst of a battle. We say it over and over again, over and over again. You came in here. You're in a war. You got up out of bed and you came here and there's another battle that's taking place. And one that is far weightier, far far more important than we can actually see with our eyes. But don't be mistaken. You are in a battle whether you like it or not. And there is a battle to take us out. Our faith that we would be a people that just kind of walk through life and don't really believe God for the big things. That those things can't really happen. Doesn't that get old? It gets old for me. I'm kind of looking at my faith and going, where am I really at in terms of really believing God for things in my life, in my family's life, in the life of this church, in your life? Where am I really at? And I know for some of us, you hear this and you go, oh gosh, this is one of those sermons, really? This is like a faith sermon? Is that what this is? And I know some of you are going, I've had dreams squashed. I've had shattered dreams in my life. Guess what? So have I. So have I. And every prayer that I've asked and sent up to heaven has not been answered. And I know that's the same thing for you. But that does not mean that you come in here this morning and you don't continue to ask God for things in your life. That doesn't mean that we sit back and we stop and say, I tried that years ago. I'm never praying that prayer again. It means that we need to be a people that continually seek God's face and we're continually petitioning him like the widow, right? Just constantly going before the judge, the woman, the old woman, and she's going before the judge and she's asking time and time again until the judge says, look, I had enough. I have to capitulate here. I have to answer. There's somebody down there. Is that us? How are you doing in your prayer life in terms of bringing, what what are you bringing to God? What are you really bringing? Are you bringing the thimble or are you bringing the bucket? And you know, we live in an age, I think, you look at the church, and I think we've lost even what what the power of the Holy Spirit can do. How many of you would believe, would agree with me on that? We have lost, you know, and one scholar, his name is Dale Bruner, and he said, you know what? The Holy Spirit is the forgotten God of the Trinity. Part of the Trinity, I'm sorry, forgotten part of the Trinity. 
We forget. And it's so true. The Holy Spirit, we don't really believe today. We may say we believe, but I don't think at the end of the day, we really believe that things could change and things could happen. You didn't come into church here this morning and say, man, we could see some amazing, we could see people actually getting healed in this place today. How come we don't feel that way? We could see people that are broken, they break free from whatever issues that they have. We can actually believe that that could happen, that the Holy Spirit could do that in our midst. But why don't we? Because we're in a battle. Because we're constantly in a battle. I love the way A.W. Tozer put it. He said, we may as well face it. The whole level of spirituality among us is low. We've measured ourselves by ourselves until the incentive to seek higher plateaus in the things of the spirit is all but gone. We've imitated the world, sought popular favor, manufactured delights to substitute for the joy of the Lord, and produced a cheap and synthetic power to substitute for the power of the Holy Ghost. This is written years ago. But how true is this for us today? A substitute for the power. How many of us want the power of God here today? I'm done delivering good sermons to you and saying, well, that was exegetically. That was that was accurate. It was perfect. Aren't you kind of done with that? I'm done with it as a speaker. I want to see God really move in people's lives. More than just that. Listen to me. I, and we, I, gosh, we, I say the same thing over and over again. My mom used to say it when I was a kid. And she'd be like, oh, you get up and you say the same things. Now I'm like, I'm living this life. So I'm sorry, but it's true. It's really true. I don't want to be a preacher that does that. I want to believe for greater things than that in our lives. That he really can move. I don't want a substitute. I don't want, so, I want the real thing. And I think you do too. And that's why we're here. Not to play the games and not to go through the motions, but to really believe and see. How many of us want audacious faith? You know that word audacity? Audacity? Well, I just looked it up. Audacity. Dictionary says, um, makes regular people behave with boldness or daring, especially with confident disregard for personal comfort. Audacious faith, audacious faith, daring boldly to actually believe that situation in your life, it can change, that he can change it. And you know what bothers me? I sat there this week and, and I, was, I was with Jameson and I'm talking to him. And how many of you as parents, you can be real with me. One of your pastors is saying this. You pray the prayers with them like before they go to bed. And sometimes it's, it's just like the same old thing, right? I could just recite mine with my kid. I'm up here. You could easily recite yours, right? You do the same thing. Mine's Jameson, but Jameson's body. Daddy says it. Uh, no scary dreams. No scary mi- nightmares. And he says scary like a thousand times just to like, like kind of annoy me, right? He really does because I'm like, all right, let's go. We got other things to pray about, other things to do, right? I'm in a rush. My kid's praying and I'm in a rush, right? But there I am, and I'm thinking about it, all these things, and we, I, I want my son to be protected. Oh, Lord, protect him, and I'm kind of teaching him, teaching him about that. You know what I'm done with? I'm done praying those kinds of prayers. I said to him in the car when we were going to school the other day, I said, you know what? I pray that God makes you dangerous today. Do you understand that? That you're called to a life of faith and hope and love and risk. We've put kids and we've confined them and we've almost made it like a zoo. We've domesticated our kids. And you know why? No wonder when they get older, they run away because they're so bored with church. 
Because we told them these are the rules that you have to follow. Stay in your cage. When the other kids are outside their cage, don't watch them. Don't do what they're doing. Just stay inside your cage. And they see this and they can look at Christianity and think it's so boring. Well, I'll tell you what, we need to say when our kids are older, if kids are walking away from the church, we need to tell them, you know what? You walk away from Jesus and you're walking away from a life of incredible adventure, incredible risk. It won't be safe, but oh, you'll have the ride of your life. If you don't, by all means, go ahead, because you're going to find a life that is absolutely boring. I was on a plane recently and I wasn't with Megan sitting next to her. I wish I was now thinking about what I had to be subjected to. How many of you been on a plane and you're next to somebody and you're like, really? <laughs> I get on a plane, right? I want to I read. I have work to do. I have things to do, right? So this woman sits down next to me and I have my headphones on. Code, right? Leave, don't talk to me. Just kind of like leave me alone, right? Like 15 minutes into the flight, she starts like, she's, she's drinking wine and she's just having a good old time, right? I start to doze off. She hops over me. Like literally, like she's like a gymnast and like hops over me. She's like, sorry, goes to the bathroom. I'm up now, right? Whatever. I, I continue to read. Does it again like a half an hour later. And then the headphones, right? They're still in. But she starts talking to me. Now, I think I've said this to you before, but it bears repeating. If I'm in a situation like that, I have two jobs. So if somebody asked me, she asked me, what do you do for a living? She's talking and she's like the profanity. It was like off the charts. There were like kids around me. I'm cringing. Not because, not because I can't handle it. Listen, I'm not religious, but I was like, there were kids around and I'm going, this girl's crazy. She's out of her mind. Right? So, so she keeps going. Now at some point I said, if I want it to be a long conversation, I want to talk to you. I'm a teacher. Again, I want it to be the short conversation. I'm a pastor. I'm a minister. Well, guess what? I tried that in the conversation. She, I said, yeah, I'm a minister. And this girl, she was, uh, she was from Iran. So, and then I, somehow I got into, oh, I went to the Middle East last year. I hate Jews. Oh, okay. That's really nice. And she just went on this tirade and went on and on. And I'm trying and I'm sitting there. And then by the end, though, listen, listen, it was funny at first. And then two hours later, yeah, yeah two hours later, I was like, done. And she goes, am I narcissistic? No, no. Why would anyone think you're narcissistic? But by the end of the conversation, she kind of, I, I saw the wounds and she was only in her early twenties and she was a very pretty girl. And I felt so bad for this girl because she opened up about everything. And I was dating this guy and I guess she's like, oh, here's a pastor. I can just dump all over this guy. Hey, thanks. And you get to leave the plane. I got to carry you, whatever you just threw up all over me. But I sat there and I said to myself, you know what? How broken so many people are in the world. My heart just went out to this girl who I never met before. I don't know her. And here she is in her 20s. And she was so broken and so just isolated, looking around. But she was searching, searching for real adventure, but searching for real meaning in life, real purpose. And I wanted to say, don't you get it? There is something out there that can give you real joy and real peace. And you don't have to go sleep around with every guy that's out there. Yeah, that was part of the conversation. You don't have to experience all this. Our kids need to know that this book, this Bible, tells a story. And there's all the, it's replete with stories of people that lived lives that were amazing. And they were crazy. And they were risky. Man, but they, these people knew God. This is what we're created for. If eternity set in the hearts of men, and this is who we are, then we have to show our kids. 
Right? Come on. We have to teach our kids that. You with me? Yeah. And then I even, I, I did this. You know what I did too? I went into my own life. How many of you journal? Maybe once in a while. Do you journal? Ever? Yeah, I shouldn't have asked. Um, so you know what I did? You know what I did recently? I went back to uh, journal entries that are almost two decades old. Almost two decades old. And why I bring that up is because I looked at the guy that for 20 years, almost 20 years ago, when I, re- I grew up in the church, I'm a pastor's kid, but when I really came alive, I looked at some of those journal entries and I read some of my prayers and I read some of the things that I was believing for and I said to myself, you today don't resemble that guy. Your prayers today don't resemble the prayers of that guy from 20 years ago. Can I have that guy back? Because I want that guy back. Because that guy actually believed that God could move. That guy actually believed that God could do great things in my life. I want that guy back. And that's my heart this morning. That's my heart because again, there's just, we've separated it and we're not where we want to be and that's okay, but there's more for us. Can I talk about a story now in the book of Joshua? We're going to be in Joshua chapter 10 of audacious faith. Can we look at a story of this guy, Joshua? And some of you, I'll just read the story first. You're going to hear the story and you're going to go, what's going on? All right, now I'm in the middle of a book. Right, So I'm going to give you some of the background. So don't tr- try not to get lost here and go, I'm never going to figure this. I'll explain it to you. All right. So starting in the beginning of chapter 10. Um, now, it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua, Joshua had taken Ai and un- utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and its king, so he had done to Ai and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities. Yes, and the phone. And because it was greater than Ai and all its men were mighty. Therefore, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoam, king of Hebron. Remember, if you don't know how to pronounce the names, you just, you pretend. Piram, king of Jarmuth, Jephiah, king of Lachish, Endeavor, king of Eglon, saying... Come up to me and help me that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore, the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon gathered together and went up. They and all their armies and camped before Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal. He and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them down the road that goes to Betharon, and struck them down as far as Ezekiah and Makeda. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Betharon that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Ezekiah, and they died. Here's the best part, right? Here it is. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Betharon that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Ezekiel and they died. Didn't I just read that? 
Wow. There were more who died from the hailstones and the children of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, sun stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. It, 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 is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there, here it is. There has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man. Long. I read you a long passage today. And I, and I wrestled with that. I said, do I just give them a couple of verses? I wanted to kind of give you some background. Now, this is Joshua, son of Nun, who was basically second in, to, in command to who? Moses, right? Joshua has seen God move in mighty ways in his life. He was with Moses and the Israelites, right, when they were in Egypt. He was there, the parting of the Red Sea. And you go on and you see amazing miracles. Joshua and the walls of Jericho came down a couple of chapters prior to this. You see Joshua even earlier than that. What do they do? The, the, the Jordan, right? They're able to traverse, go over the Jordan River. Joshua has seen amazing things happen in his life and in the life of the children of Israel that are going into the promised land. Now, there are enemy nations. This is where I'm giving you the historical background. There was a confederacy, like five nations who have seen God's power, how God has been mighty to save the Israelites, how he has, he's battled for them. And they are trying to come up. They're trying to unite together against Israel. Now, what you don't know, in the beginning of the story, you saw that word Gibeon, right? Like the Gibeonites. Do you ever look in the Bible and you get lost, right? There's Gibeonites, there's Hittites, there's Amorites, there's Cellulites. There's all these different kinds of ites, right? There's all different kinds. Now, these people here, the Gibeonites, they're part of this confederacy. They don't like Israel. But here's what they did. They lied to Joshua... And they pretended that they were like nomads and people from a foreign nation, right? They weren't from the promised land area. Because if they're from the promised land, God's told Joshua, you're going to clean house in the promised land. You're taking over. This is our, this is your land. I've given this to you. So the Gibeonites say, oh, were these people, please make it like, make a treaty with us. Don't hurt us. Right? So what does Joshua do? He kind of gets duped by this. He actually forms an alliance with these Gibeonites. Once the other, you with me so far? Once the other people find out, the other nations find out that the Gibeonites have made a treaty with Israel, their enemy, we're coming after you, Gibeonites. Why would you make a treaty with the Israelites? Does it make sense now? Joshua has to then, because he's a man of his word, he has made an alliance with the Gibeonites. He has sterling character and integrity. And since he made an alliance with them, they're calling. They send runners. Go. you got to tell the Israelites, we need Joshua now. All these nations are converging on the Gibeonites at once. And here comes Joshua. And how many of you are 24 fans? I was thinking of it this morning. I forgot my phone and I didn't, it, it's not up there. But remember that show, right? And it'll be, it'll be, my name is Jack Bauer. And this is the, this is the longest day of my life. All I, th- I thought about all week, and I wish I had that on right now, right? That doo 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 Like, my name is Joshua, son of none, and this is the longest day of my life. 
right? Couldn't you use that right now? Some of you just woke up and went, whoa, what, what was that? Right? Now, here's the great part of this, right? So here he is. This is going to be the longest day. What you don't know when you read this text, and please read this. Like, if you read it during the week, because I can't hit everything in one sermon. But you know what's so wild about this story? What's wild is he travels from a place that is supposed to take them if they're traveling at a normal pace. You know how long it's supposed to take him to get to Gibeon? It's supposed to take three days. You know how long it takes him? One night. In one night, they traverse, and where is the exact, where's the exact, uh, it's a 4,000 foot hike uphill. He does this, hey boys, let's go. Can't we go to bed? I'm tired. No sleep for the weary. Let's go. We made a treaty. We have to go help the Gibeonites out. Who? Again, we got to go help somebody else. Come on, really? Yeah, let's go. And they start to move and they head out on this. Now, let me show you a map. How can I give a sermon like this and not show you a map, right? So here we are. All right. Now I want you to see. So there is, you see Gilgal up there and you see Gibeon. So Joshua, they travel from here. Here is the trek that they do in one night. That was not easy. All right. Think about like, I don't know, going through the mountains or it's not fun. All right. And then they get here. Now I want you to notice, look how far they go. And and reading some commentaries on this, this is wild to me that it was a 10-mile ascent, a 10-mile ascent from here to Beth Haran. A 10-mile ascent going up again. These guys are tired and they're weary. And then look where it takes them, right? They start to go down. They're eventually going to be down here. But at one point, where is it? Well, yeah, kind of over here. What's amazing to me, let me stop here at Bethlehem. Before they actually go on this descent and Joshua continues to chase them, I want you to kind of see the picture. Because at the end of the the passage that I read to you, picture him on like the crest of a ridge and he's looking out. You have five nations. There are a myriad of people. Do you see them with you? I see them. Do you see them? You're supposed to say, yeah, I see them. Like, this is pretend, right? Right? Wow. Okay. So there's like all these people. So Joshua is there. You have to see the picture that he sees all of these nations. And what is happening is there was this plateau. So it goes really high at Beth Haran, but then it drops significantly over a two mile stretch. So Joshua being up high, I picture him seeing all of these people. And then in the distance, he sees the large hailstones that are falling out of the sky on them. It's almost a picture out of Lord of the Rings, right? When Gandalf calls the eagles down, right? And he, oh, a lot of you don't know the story, but just a ma- really cool, like, yeah. Um, so that's, that's just kind of the scene that I, that I thought of here. But here is a picture of it. This is such a, this is the longest day in the history of the world. Long, right? And their bodies strewn all over the place. But Joshua knows Joshua stands on the precipice and he stands on the crest of that ridge and he says, I'm going to pray a prayer that has never been prayed before. Never been prayed before. I don't think it's been prayed ever since. And I know some of you are going, this guy is really, this is really what the sermon, this story, are we really to believe that this is a true story, that it really happened? Well, guess what? Can I tell you this? This story has been corroborated. Not the the hailstones. All right, that's one thing. But the sun, 
staying still and God extending the time of the day. There may have been other times in history. I think about it. I'm an American history teacher. When I teach the Civil War and I talk about in 1862, the Battle of Antietam, which is the bloodiest day of battle in the Civil War, really in like American history, north versus south, and over 22,000 people would die or you know, they, they wouldn't be found, right? They're gone. Over 22,000. And one of the soldiers from North Carolina, a Confederate soldier, said it was as if the sun was going backwards. The sun literally, though, in this story is staying still because Joshua knows this is my time. If I don't get all these nations, they're running for cover. It's almost dusk, right? If it gets dark, they don't have any lights. They're going to lose all the enemies. This is his time. This is his moment that he can take them all out. And if I was him, look what he does. He utters this prayer. Friends, look at this. Look at this. He says this, right? He says all of this in front of the people in the sight of Israel, the new King, King James says. Other translations, every, it, he said this out loud. Why am I bringing that up? Who would pray a prayer like this out loud? You say this under your breath. If I'm Joshua, son of Nun, I stand there and I kind of mumble it to myself. Because if I mumble it to myself and God doesn't show up and nothing happens, it's just between, it's just between us. But, right, if I say it out loud, right, come on, crazy, the guy doesn't do that, he says it, it's amazing, and how about it's even the wrong request, he tells the sun to stand still scientifically, we know the sun is still and the earth, the planets revolve around the sun, the guy didn't even get the prayer right, I'm thinking about it, I'm laughing, I'm not a scientist, but I'm like, listen, Joshua, you got it wrong, buddy, planets revolve around the sun, but guess what? It doesn't matter. It does not matter. God is not insulted, friends, by our big prayer requests. Do you ever pray prayers that like, right? Have you prayed prayers? I said earlier that it were just so feeble. How many of you can relate to that? We say prayers sometimes that can they be kind of sterile? You know what I did? This is something not too long ago I was thinking about. I was praying and it just kind of caught me. I said, Lord, I'm going, Lord. I just asked, just be with me today. And then it was kind of like I just got hit in my gut. You know, again, God speaks to us. It wasn't the audible voice of God, but I heard in my spirit, what do you mean be with you? I'm always with you. I didn't know we were separated. Hey, James, I didn't know we were separated. I fill all of time and space. I'm everywhere. But all right, if you want me to be with you, I didn't know we were. I wasn't with you. Did you ever pray prayers like that? He's always with us. Why am I praying prayers like that? Audacious faith. Bigger prayers. Or how about we give God a cop-out cop clause? I'll give you an example. Cop-out clause. You do. Lord, if it be thy will. And we say that at the end of prayers. Come on, some of you have said that before. You, you're fired up and you pray. And then at the end, you, your voice gets like normal again. If it be thy will. If it be thy will. Like we're giving God this cop-out cop clause like God's like up there going, listen, I was going to do it for you, but I really didn't want to do it for you. Thanks for giving me the cop-out clause. Thanks for not making me do this because I really didn't want to do it. Why do we act like that's the case? Look at how we come to him. You have to see in this story, 
Joshua knew his promises. He said, God, I know your promises. And what did he say? He said that nobody, no nation would be able to stand up to Joshua and the Israelites. No nation. He stood on the promises of God. How many of us, we've been knocked around. Life has beat us down a little bit. But how many of us are really standing on the promises of God? How many of us have promises on our refrigerators? How many have promises on our computers? How many have promises on our phone that we're looking at and we wake up and we pray them and we stand on them? Are we doing that? Come on. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And stop listening to the enemy when he speaks and he comes at you. The Bible said the enemy is under your feet. So stop. Put your foot down. Stop letting him speak. He's under your feet. He's defeated. I need a blowtorch to wake you up today. I don't know what that means. Blowtorch? It was a little extreme. I rescind that statement. Friends, listen. We are not... We're not not homeless beggars. We're not homeless beggars like kind of like sitting there going, God... Please, please, God, can you just give me some blessings? Can you drop a little bit in my cup with the symbol? Can you give me a little bit, God, just a little bit? Right? We're not refugees waiting on a line, hoping to st- that the ambassador will actually come and see us. We are allies with God. John Eldridge is the first one I ever heard say that. We're allies and friends of Jesus. Did you get that? Allies, friends, sons, and daughters. Why do we come and not really act and believe that his promises are true and they're applicable for our lives today? Why do we sit back and why are our prayers so feeble? God's waiting. God is waiting. If the size, one author said it this way, if the size of the vision for our lives isn't intimidating to us, there is a good chance it's insulting to God. I love that. Let me say that again. If the size of the vision for our lives isn't intimidating to us, there's a good chance it's insulting to God. I would say, my own way to just, I can't put it better than that. But if there is a problem that we look at and say, man, that problem is too big for me, it's right in his wheelhouse. It's just the right size for God. So as we come to the end of this sermon, I want to ask you, what is your sun stand still prayer in your life? What is the sun stand still prayer for you in your life? What are you believing for? I know what I'm up against. I knew when I came in the door, I could feel it. I know it. We're looking at this going, what do you mean? Sons, yes, what is that thing that you are hoping and you are believing and you are looking to? Is it in your finances? Is it in your marriage? Is it in your job? Is it just in your relationship? I see somebody, he spoke 13 words into existence. There has never been a day, the Bible says, like this ever again. I see a man who stood up there and believed that God could do amazing things and he still wants to. Right here and now. Do you even realize what we hear? The sun stands still prayers that we've had in the history of this church. You sit on a seat. It's amazing that we're even here. It's a miracle. 
This guy just happens to be at an occasion with a man. He meets this guy at a dinner and they start talking and they hit it off. They develop a friendship. Years later, we get this land for a dollar. And there's other stories that go with it on how this place is even built. Miracle after miracle. Sun, stand, still, prayers. I love that little church down the road. Not really, but I love this church. You think about where we came from and where we are today. Really, I'm serious. There is not a time, let me tell you, there is not a time I walk in this building when I'm by myself and I don't thank God for this place. I don't thank God for you. I am so grateful that we're in this place. It's perfect. We wouldn't need anything else. I love it. Sorry, we don't need anything else. I know you're looking at me. Don't say that. You see, everybody, churches, everyone wants to, oh, bigger is better. Explode. Knock the walls down. Make the place bigger. Mega church, 50,000 people walk through the doors every Sunday. It's not a church. It's not a church. This is a church when we can have somebody like Carlos get up on his feet and he comes up to the front of the room and you as the community can say what he means to you. That's the church. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to be a family like this. There weren't mega churches in the first century. If the apostle Paul, if Peter saw what the church was like today, they would be like, I don't know what that is. I just want to be a follower of Jesus with a group of other people. I don't want to sit in a stadium and have screens everywhere and have lights everywhere and have this and that and be wowed. This is where, this is where it's at. And I know friends, listen to me. I know too I know that faith has been abused. It's been so abused. It's been so mishandled. I've seen people, and, and when I first came, 20 years ago, I'll never forget, and I won't use the person's name, but I went to a, I went to a couple of Christian events, and this individual, God bless them, I don't know their heart, I'm not judging them, but, but I look back on it, and I see how it really, it harmed my faith. Because I saw all of this, demonstrativeness and I saw all these things and I said I don't know if that's really of God and I don't know if some of this stuff this person's talking about is real and I think sometimes we can play on people's emotions and I see some of the evangelists on TV and I'm like I don't know what I don't know what that is I'm sorry I'm sorry I grieve in my spirit I'm not perfect I'm a speaker in this little church I don't know I'm just trying to find my way too but I know that when I see things that aren't the real thing we hear story after story it wrecks our faith but that doesn't mean that God's not real and his power is not real. And that he, he, he wants to move today in your life. Yes. Son, stand still prayers. I'm praying in my own life for my kids. <laughs> Pastor Linda, you know why she's not here today? Pastor Linda's at home with my wife, with Megan. Megan hasn't felt well. She's blood pressure and I thank you all for your prayers. And she's got some issues going on, but she's getting better. Th- thank you again for that. But listen, I'm not sitting back. And just getting my head beat in, I'm going to fight. Right? I'm going to fight. And the weapons of my warfare are not carnal. They are mighty. For pulling down strongholds, not in my life, in your life too. Casting down imaginations and any high thing that would try to exalt itself above the knowledge of Christ. All the weapons that God has given us are powerful. Are you using them? Or are you going to work every day and you're just leaving them in the closet? Are you using your gifts and the armor? Are you putting your armor on when you go to work? Are you standing up against the enemy? Are you standing on his promises? God's promises for your life? I came here to do business today. 
I'm tired too, but I'm resolute because I believe I have a two-year-old at home and he's got some stuff going on. But guess what? I have sons stand still. Prayers going on because I'm not sitting back. I don't care what a doctor says. I don't care what a report says. I know who my God is. You woke up. Good. You woke up. God has the ability on its galactic DVR to stop time. You go, wait, I didn't read, wait a second. I didn't finish that thought. I have to read you this. How about this, right? With, with time stopping like this? There are several claims that support a literal interpretation of this event. Now, you know, listen, I'm, I'm a preacher. I think I do thorough research. I'm pretty meticulous. And I want you to hear things. You need to hear this. Records of the Chinese during the reign of an emperor who lived in Joshua's day report the strange occurrence of an extra long day. But the Bible's not real. It's myth and legend. Also, Herodotus, a Greek historian, wrote an account of an extra long day left to us by the Egyptians. Others cite records of the Aztecs in Mexico reporting the sun standing still in a year denoted as the seven rabbits. I'm not done. Other cultures, the Incas of Peru, the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Persians, the Polynesians, some refer to it as the sun standing still. Go look it up. This really happened. I want you to go home and I want you to stand in your house and I want you, whatever your son's standstill prayer is, I want you to say it to him. What do you have to lose? You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. God is looking. When he saw Joshua, it was like, Michael, get all the angels. Look at this guy's crazy. He's actually asking me to keep the sun still on the moon. I'm going to honor it because he's brave enough to ask for it. You know what? I'm just crazy enough. Listen to me. I'm a crazy person in a lot of ways. I'm crazy enough to believe that God can use me. I'm crazy enough to believe that real things are going to happen in this place. I'm crazy enough to believe that his spirit's going to be poured out. I'm sorry. But if I'm just going to be an intellectual teacher and just get up and, get, and prepare my sermon and deliver my sermon and not believe for greater things to happen, what are we doing? What are we doing? What is that prayer for you in your life? I'll stop. I'll stop. I'm going on. A little more. A preacher hears somebody say more. How are they supposed to react to that? The quandary. I don't have any more. I could give you a story that I was going to share in the sermon. That's about it. Do you want a story? Yes. A five-minute story? Yes. No, I can't do it. You know what? It deserves its own sermon. <laughs> Have I ever said... I, don't, I just said that out loud? Did I really just say that out loud? No, I, I got to wait because I'll do a bet. No, I don't want to ruin it. It's too good. You heard my... Honestly, I bore my soul today. I don't, I have, there's nothing left in the tank. You hear, I, I'm glad you hear what I'm saying to you. Did you get what I'm saying to you? I just want us to be brazen and kind of crazy. And this, I have to say this. It does not mean that we say prayers and we like, take the Bible and juggle it and, and throw it five times and say this certain prayer and all of your dreams are going to come true. Because that's how faith has been mishandled as well. We don't, we don't operate that way. That's not, how, that's not how God operates. 
So, I'm say, you know, the word says that when we pray, he hears us, right? If we pray anything according to his will, right, he hears us. What is his will? His will is his word. His will is his word, friends. And whatever we have, whatever we ask for, I'm, so, I'm sorry, whatever we ask for, we'll have. Please ask. Stop. Ask. Seek. Knock, ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. Ask, ask, ask. I'm sick of not asking for these kinds of prayers to be answered in my life. I gotta do this. I'm done. I'm done. So, really, friends, you heard my heart. You heard my heart. Jesus did not come 2,000 years ago. So that we would sit there and pray these little weak prayers. And he started a revolution. He started something and he's saying, I'm giving up my life for you. He's, he's shown, he wants us to be barbarians. For, for, right? You get that? Not in the sense of real, but spiritually speaking, where is that? Have we lost that? I've lost, I want more back in my life. I want what the enemy has tried to take in my life. This can be a day for you. There, you can find real freedom. You can find whatever you need right here. I'm asking that you are as bold as you've ever been. You've taken this table. You know how many times? Probably thousands. Maybe not that. I don't know. But a lot, right? You've taken this table a lot. How many times have you really come up and given, told God in your heart, Son, stand still prayers. Prayers that if you by your own might, nothing will ever happen. Nothing's going to come to fruition. But if you really trusted him, things would happen. You know what? This may be one of those sermons that doesn't hit you right now because you don't have anything in your life that you're dealing with. But I can tell you what, there's going to come a day when you're going to need a son stand still prayer. But start asking today, whatever it is in your life, your kids, your finances, stop sitting there and acting as if you're a beggar. You are a son and daughter of the king. Lord, Lord, my words are feeble. Lord, without your spirit to enliven them, Lord, I ask that we really get this. Father, we really want to see you move. Father, I want to see you move in our midst, in the lives of the people here. May we be so brazen and so crazy to actually believe you can answer our son stand still prayers. Lord, I'm not bringing a thimble. I'm bringing a bucket. Thank you, Lord. You've made us the head and not the tail. I thank you that your power is still so real. May we all experience that. Amen. The enemy is going to try to, we said last week, you're going to get distracted the moment you leave this place. You will get distracted the moment you walk out these doors. He is going to try to snatch the word that was delivered. He's going to try to snatch it. He's going to try to take it. You have to continue to stand and having done all to stand. You need to put on your armor when you leave here. You need to stand on his promises because things are not going to, it's not going to happen by osmosis. I'm sorry. No matter what you think of a sermon like this or sermons in general, sitting here for 40 minutes is not going to get the job done. You can't just sit here for 40 minutes and think this is the extent of my spiritual life. You have to have that relationship with him. You can't live off me. You can't live off Pastor Joe. And you can't live off Pastor Linda. You have to have this yourself. The parable of the virgin. You need your own oil. Don't look for my... You're not getting my oil. Get your own oil. The days are coming when people that don't have any oil, I'm worried. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that. 
So ushers, right? you come to church and you hear another message. It's just another opportunity to take this, whatever the content is of the message, and to apply it to our lives. There's no sense reading a manual, right, if you're not going to follow the instructions. There's no sense, right, learning something if you don't really plan on applying it to your life. And I don't feel like, you know what really bothered me this week? I don't feel like I've given enough of these sermons in this church. As the main speaker, I don't feel like I've given enough sermons that really challenge us in terms of our faith and what we really believe in God for. But let's take what we really learned here today. Let's apply it to our lives. And why not down the road? Why not give testimony? Hey, wait, wait, do we have hill houses this week? Yeah, yeah, we do. So how about at hill houses this week? Maybe you have a testimony about a sun standstill prayer that you'd like to share. Can you maybe share ones that happened? I'm just a preacher and I got to talk a little bit, but how about you and your small group that you talk about those prayers and how God answered that prayer? Because you know what? In the midst of the context of community, that will inspire other people and they will walk out inspired. That's a question for this week. Before you even get the questions, I'm telling you right now, when I talk to Pastor Linda, that'll be a question challenge to us. And that could take up your whole night. One question, just one. That's all it could take. I feel like we need to like, kind of like marinate in this and we need to kind of really sit here and really believe because just hitting this once, it's like taking a hammer, right? And you hit what you're, you're tearing something down. You're demolishing something. The one shot doesn't knock the wall down. You have to continually hit it as a teacher. I have to continually hit at this until we as a church, as a community, that we really get it and we're living it in our lives. Amen. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.